The Old Testament reading for this, the second Sunday after the Epiphany of our Lord, is from the prophet Isaiah chapter 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate but you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle for today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gift, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of Spirit, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord, the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. This text serves as the basis for today's sermon. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, 
the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Mercy and peace be richly multiplied to you from God our Father and from our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the blessed and holy name of Jesus. Amen. When you look back over the past year, there are those natural disasters which have made a profound impact in various areas around the world. For example, this past summer in Guatemala, a volcano erupted affecting over two million people, and the land was covered with dust and ash and made life difficult, and many people, because of the dust and ash, ended up with respiratory problems that will never go away. And then we remember this last fall. We remember those wildfires in California, which just consumed home upon home and even consumed one of our sister congregation churches and its parsonage in Paradise, California. Quite a name for a town in light of what happened. For many people there thought, this is almost like hell right now with the fires consuming everything. And in light of that, when we take a look at today's gospel lesson, it almost seems out of place. It seems so out of place because it's a time of rejoicing and feasting. It's a time where the wine flows freely. So freely, in fact, that they ran out of it. And our blessed Lord and Savior came to the rescue at the request of his mother, and turned water into wine. Seems so out of place when you think about what's going on in this world, what's happening in our own country. When we think about the where life is no longer held sacred, whether it be in the womb or whether it be the elderly, what a tragedy it is 
that in certain countries, like in Iceland, they prize themselves upon the fact that they don't allow any child conceived and detected with Down syndrome to survive. And it's estimated that 60 to 80 percent of the children that are identified in the womb with Down syndrome here in the United States of America are aborted. What a tragedy it is that when and you take a look and you listen to CNN, you'd think that nothing really important happened on Friday, where they said about a thousand people showed up for a march for life, where in reality there is anywhere from four to six hundred and fifty thousand people showed up for it. None of the major networks reported it. If you wanted to watch it, you could find it on C-SPAN. But fascinatingly, on uh, MSNBC News, what would happen is at the top of the web page, watch the women's march live. Nothing like that for the march for life. And then we think about the tragedies that befall us in other kinds of ways. Disease and its ravages those that are killed by accident, some in the prime of life, some with wife or husband and children surviving and dealing with the terrors and the wretchedness of death. Oh, it somehow seems so out of place. But then we look at our text for this morning, and what we find is a Savior who does a sign, who sees so that we would see something greater than just the event itself. Greater than water turning into wine, but rather the one who speaks and his word is done. The one who spoke at creation, let there be, and there was. And here only, he says, fill it up, and then take a sample to the master of the feast, and lo and behold, it's wine. Not just ordinary wine, the best of wine. So that the governor of the feast declares, you know what we usually do around here? Is we serve good wine first, and then after they've been a little, in, they're, they're getting a little friendly right now and a little loose, they couldn't tell you whether it was bad wine or good wine, but you've saved the best till last. And that's a good thing for you and me to hear as we deal with the struggles of life. The best is yet to come, isn't it? And so in the midst of all the trials and frailties of life, as we deal uh, with the world in which we live in, and we're ready to give up. As we take a look at our own lives and we see our bodies becoming more fragile, things that once worked well don't work so good. Things that once were going so well and now you wonder about whether you have job security. Yes, where people are saying to themselves, is there any good? And how does God's hand work in this? Do we really believe with St. Paul that if God be for us, 
who can be against us? Because it seems like in many ways, and it doesn't, you know, sometimes we say God lets these things happen. And then there's other things that God causes to happen. So the plagues that befell Egypt, those were things that God caused to happen. When the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, those were things that God caused to happen. And then there are things that God says, like in Romans chapter 1, if that's how you want it, that's what you get. But that's not real comforting for you. For me, is it? As we struggle with the difficulties of life and, we bec- and we're aware of our own sin and frailties, we realize as we confess in our, in our confession, we have deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. And we say we are heartily sorry for them. But somehow... It doesn't seem like things change. The pain's still there. The heartache is still there. The memories, as painful as they are, just seem to come back again and again. And where we, who stand up for what we believe to be true, right, virtuous, and noble, are mocked and ridiculed, and made fun of. And so often we'll cry out, Oh Lord, why? Why is it going the way it is? I have tried to follow you with my whole being, with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind, and with all my strength. Why are these things happening the way they are? And so we question, we question this God who has given gifts to his church. Like we heard the Apostle Paul declare in our text for today, beautiful gifts, marvelous gifts, gifts meant to build us up in the faith. And yet we struggle. But there's a word that's spoken, a word spoken by our blessed Savior, Fill the jugs. Fill them to the brim. A word spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. You think you don't have a name. I have a name for you. I love you. You're not forsaken. And that's the word that Jesus speaks to you and to me. So that he says to you and to me, Come you all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. A Savior who says to you and to me, peace I give to you, my peace I give to you. I don't give like the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. Yes, the apostle had it right. If God is for us, who can be against us? And where does he locate that promise? In Jesus himself because it says that God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up freely for us all. And then Paul Paul goes on to say, wherewithal will he not also freely give us all good things? And that's why you're here this morning, aren't you? 
Because you know when you come here, you who come here weary and heavy laden, you who come here today with the sins of this past week and the sins that have arisen from way in your past, where you as David would declare, Oh Lord, don't remember the sins of my youth. You know you're getting something good. You receive the words of holy absolution. You heard the word of the prophet Isaiah that the Lord looks upon you with favor. You heard the word of the Lord through the apostle Paul and say, this God who is yours and his beloved son Jesus Christ, the one whom you say, yes, I believe in him, even though you couldn't say yes, but the Holy Spirit called you by the gospel, he's gifted you. And the blessed Savior, who does all things well, who turns shame, as that young couple would have been shamed by running out of the wine, he turns their hearts into gladness. And so he does for you and for me. As we come now to his table, and there we receive not just bread and wine, but his very flesh and blood given and shed for you for the remission of sins. Given you strength, given you the courage to continue, given you the courage to stand up for what is right, what is true, and what is noble, and what is pure. To speak a word in behalf of the helpless, whether they are in the womb or almost ready to go into the tomb to say, life is sacred. I know it's sacred. He's made me his own. He's sanctified me. He called me before I was ever born. That's the Savior you have. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.